Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. And amen. And amen. Okay, guys, where we left off, okay? We always want to remind you where we left off last week. Jesus, at this point, our Lord and Savior, guys, is, is being beaten, okay? The word that we use is scourged. He's being scourged, if you will, by the Romans, okay? Now, Pilate was kind of hoping that maybe he would appease the crowd if he could just beat Jesus a little bit, you know, a little bit of scourging, and then everybody be like, let's everybody just take a deep breath, calm down, we'll bring Jesus out, and then everybody can go home, right? Let the Passover go. Well, Apparently, it's not working. Pilate pronounces him not guilty. Keep that in mind. And yet, of course, what does he do in a last-ditch effort to stay in good standing, first and foremost, with Caesar, because he's on, he's on shaky ground with the Romans, with Caesar, and of course, he wants to save face with the Jews, because he's living there in Jerusalem. And so, what does he do? He begins what we call our, our almost our second crushing of the olives, if you will, the second crushing in the oil press. You go, what do you mean by that? Well, if you haven't been here, remember two weeks ago we correlated the olive press there in Israel to the journey to the cross. It would be the final crushing for our sins because if you recall, Gethsemane means oil press. And you guys remember how they would do that back in the ancient day, right? What's the first thing they would do in order to get the olives off the tree? They would have to beat the tree. They would shake and beat, and the ripe olives would go, ah, and they'd fall to the ground, and then they would take them over to the olive press. Well, that's what we sort of looked at here, and we saw that our ripe Savior, if you will, Right on time, the perfect time for God to send his son was now going to be in the second part of the olive press. He's already been crushed once. You go, what do you mean? Remember at the garden where he's sitting there and he's just, he's being crushed by the weight of our sins. Well, what do you do with the olives? You take the olives and you put them inside these mats and now they get even crushed even more. The heavier it goes and the second is to get even a pure olive. And we saw that. That was the scourging. You go, how so? Well, remember, we spent a fair amount of time last week talking about this, but I bring it up because, again, next week we celebrate the resurrection. But think about this for our sins, for your sins. Scourging, if you will, a beating was also called a ratio by the Romans and it was possibly the worst kind of flogging administered by the ancient courts. You see, the Jews also had their way of, well, in Deuteronomy, they said, listen, if the Jews get out of line, we're going we're gonna to teach them a lesson, a little bit of a, if you will, a, a little bit of a whipping, but nothing like what the Romans did. The Romans saw that and said, we're going to take it to the next level. It's going to be like flogging 2.0. This is not going to be just a little, we're going to teach you a lesson. This is, we're going to get you to the point of almost death so you learn your lesson. The purpose, church, the purpose was to cause great, great pain, but also to humiliate the person as well. See, it wasn't enough for, for just a person to be, to be scourged or flogged, if you will. It wasn't enough. It was to humiliate them. Why? Because if Rome was ever going to rule with an iron fist like it is, right, it had to what? Well, it, it had to send a strong reminder, don't mess with Rome. This is what happens when you mess with Rome. You're going to end up, you're going to end up hurting. And I'm not, we're not just going to kind of pat you on the back with a little bit of a whip and say, okay, be nice. Everybody play nice. They're going to take him and they're going to send a strong message. You don't mess with Rome. Well, Ben, what did they use? Well, the instrument they used, guys, to flog our savior, right, was called in the Latin a flagellum or a flagrum, and that's what it was called. Some of you have heard it called the cat of nine tails. And what it was is it had about three-foot leather strips, three at the minimum, but it could have been up to nine. Each one of them would have different ends. Some of them would have these thongs, these weighted thongs, that were specifically designed that when it hit the flesh, that it would, it would hit so hard it would bruise and burst open the flesh. 
Then you also had some that were bones, little pieces of very sharp bone, and some, if you will, um, glass, very sharp glass. And the purpose, guys, the purpose of the scourging was really, really simple. It was so that as the instrument came across the body, that it was designed, the, it was designed to lacerate everything in its path. It wasn't just to, oh, ouch, that hurts, but it was to come and it was to rip everything, including muscle and flesh, everything you can imagine as they pulled that cat of nine tails back. You see, the victim of a scourging was often bound to a post with his hands above his head, stripped of his clothing, and then with the flagellum or the cat of nine tails, they would come across and he would be up like this, so as it reached right in here, it would rip everything from this way all the way back. Literally just shreds and shreds and shreds. That's all it would, that's all they would do. They would use that basically from the shoulders all the way down to the loins. Well, of course you know what happens. Guys, we've seen that movie, The Passion of the Christ. There would be blood everywhere. The pain would be so, they had to make up a word, guys. The word was excruciating. We never had that word until this. It was so excruciating that I am positive that Jesus went in and out of conscience so many times. Now, you'll get, you'll get the idea that they whipped him 39 times. The Bible doesn't tell us that. Although the prescribed uh, whipping was 40, some people say it was one lash less of 40. We don't know, but we should definitely know that he was scourged enough that he beat the tree that it was, guys, it was unbelievably to the point of death, near the point of death. No doubt this beating left him weak. No doubt this beating left him bloodied, swollen, his body probably in convulsions. This is probably, guys, this is probably why Jesus was unable to carry the cross all the way to Golgotha. As I was thinking about this, like everything else, I want you to think about this for a second. Did you know Jesus actually knew he was going to be scourged. He actually told his disciples, all this is going to happen. Now, you and I, we're a lot like his disciples. He tells us one thing, and we're like, huh? It goes right over our head. But he told his disciples, like over in Matthew chapter 20, you guys can turn there if you want to, Matthew chapter 20, picking it up in verse 19, Jesus is going to describe to his disciples what's going to go down, right? Now, think about it. He says this, now Jesus... Going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside on the road and he said to them, picture the scene, Jesus grabs his posse, he has the holy huddle, he says, guys, I've got something I need to tell you before we go to Jerusalem. Now, you got to think about this, okay? Think about this. The disciples wouldn't think anything different because they're going up to Jerusalem because it's Passover. Everyone up to Jerusalem for the Passover. It would be packed. You would have basically hundreds of thousands of people coming up for the Passover, so it was no big deal. But Jesus grabs his posse. He says, guys, before we go, i got to share something with you. Now, listen. You guys know exactly what's going through the disciples' mind, right? Because if your boss were to call you in tomorrow and says, hey, I've got to talk to you, dum, 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 dum. what did I do, right? I mean, the boss is calling me into his office. Now, some of you are like, oh, I don't care. But these guys were like, okay, what's going on? And he says this to them. Notice, he says, behold, guess what, fellas? We're going up to Jerusalem. And everybody's like, okay. And then he says, now the son of man is going to be betrayed by the chief priests and the scribes. And they're going to, what? I bet that, you, you, ever, you ever hear this out where you just didn't hear what they said? You know, it's that, it's that, it's that, um, like the Peanuts cartoon when they go, wah, 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 wah. That's what they hear, right, when they're talking. Why? Because Jesus just told them this. He said, listen, they're going to condemn him to death. They're going to deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify. At this point, think about the disciples. They're going, what would you say, church? Uh, Jesus, why are we going to Jerusalem? Listen, you just told us what's going to happen. And listen I, don't, listen, I don't know a whole lot, but I know scourging. 
I've seen this. I mean, I've seen when they've scourged, and that's not good, Lord. Lord, the Romans have taken it to a whole nother level. Let's not go to, who votes for no Jerusalem? No, no, you know, that's what he's saying. And Jesus, no, 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 you're not listening. You're not listening. I'm going to go. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be crucified. But on the third day, I'm going to be the right. And they're still going, no, Jerusalem. I vote no. Number one, this is their leader. Number two, I'm part of the team. What if they, what, what if they want to scourge me? What if they want to kill me? I'm, I'm part of the team. Jesus knew this. And Jesus said, listen, all this is going to happen. But don't worry, fellas, because on the third day, I'm going to be alive again. Sure, sure, Jesus, but let's say, hey, let's not go to Jerusalem, okay? Listen, let's, listen, we got this great ministry in Galilee. Listen, <laughs> it's good. We'll set up headquarters. Listen, we'll just distribute books from there. It'll be good, Jesus. Let's just stay up here. Let's just stay up here. Jesus says, no, no. Jesus knew mentally what was about to go down. And I bet, guys, I bet that's why he was in the garden and he was so stressed out that he was sweating great drops of blood. The Bible tells us in Mark chapter 14, this is Mark's account of Jesus being in great distress. He, he says, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death. He tells the fellow, stay here and watch. He went a little further, fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said this, notice, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Did you guys hear what he just said? This breaks my heart. Why? Because the term Abba in the Hebrew means daddy. He's crying out to daddy, dad, dad, daddy, dad, dad, father. You see, the Hebrew word in Genesis chapter one is Elohim. And it means mighty God. It's Elo. You are God. You are powerful. The term that Jesus uses is father, daddy, daddy. That's a term of endearment, is it not? When I get a text from my kids, when it's dad, I know that it's business. Dad, can you do this or can I? But when, when my baby girl says daddy, oh, dum, 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 daddy. It's a little bit different. And he's saying, Abba, he says, listen, father, all things are possible for you. If there's any other way that you and I could be saved, is there any other way that we can, they can get to heaven? Now's the time, Lord. If there's any other way besides me going to the cross, please. And then he says, but nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And so he knew. He knew. Well, you guys remember the story. He was betrayed by Judas, came and gave him a kiss, and he's taken over to Caiaphas' house, right? And when they're trying to decide, remember how many, how many trials? Six. Three of them were totally bogus because they were supposed to hap- they were happening at night. Six trials. While he's waiting for trial, guess what they do? They lower him into what they call a sacred pit. And it's just, and it's just, that's exactly what it is. It's a pit. And then it, it makes you realize that that pit is a lot like the olive press, is it not? This circular basin stone, and there's our Savior being led down. Nathalie pointed out to me yesterday, she was thinking, you know, I never really thought about that way, but you know they weren't gentle with my Lord. They, they considered him a common criminal. Get in there! Move it! Come on! And, and, and who knows, as he, as he went into this pit... It's dark, it's smelly, who knows what was in there, critters, and there's my Lord praying. He's waiting for what? He's waiting for the trial to go on. What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And so what does they do? They say, okay, it's about 3 o'clock in the morning, so what do they do? They pull my Savior out. Now, here's what I love about the pit, guys. Here's what I love. Now, for Jesus, it was horrible, dark, yucky, gross, but, it, but he took my place. I don't have to go to the pit because he took my place. Guys, I don't have to live in darkness anymore because he took my place. Guys, I don't have to be, I don't have to live with the issues that I have anymore because Jesus took my place. I just need to confess him and I need to walk in him, allow him to heal me.
3 o'clock in the morning, they pull my Savior out, shows me a picture of the resurrection coming out of the pit, pull him out, right? Trials are going to begin. From 3 a.m., they're going to start the bogus trial. Remember, he'll be on the cross by 9. And you're going, wait a minute, Ben, 3? That's only six hours to go through trials to see Annas, to see Caiaphas. I mean, to go over to Herod and talk about Pilate and stand before there and get scared. That's only six. Can this be done? And the answer is absolutely yes. You go, why? Because Jerusalem's not that big. As a matter of fact, um, Tamir will remember this. We were, we were at the place where Peter denied. We were at, we were at Caiaphas' house and, and the place where Peter denied. And then they said, okay, everybody get on the bus. And we jumped on the bus and we drove about 50 yards up a hill and we were about, we were by the upper room. And Nathalie goes, why didn't we just walk? It was right there. It was very close. And it literally is. You could walk from here to there. It's not very far. And so if he went to, if he went to Caiaphas' house, Caiaphas' house and Annas lived in the same apartment complex, if you will. So if he went from one to the other, it only took a few minutes. And so it was really easy for the trial and for the Sanhedrin and everything to go really, 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 really fast. To get all the way to the scourge and come all the way back and then to be on the cross by nine in the morning. And so last week, guys, we left Jesus beaten and bloodied, standing before Pilate once again, a crown of thorns on his head. And what was the next part of his journey? What was the next part of the crushing? Well, he was condemned to die. And so he had to take up the very instrument of his death and walk. We know this as the cross. And sometimes, guys, we make light of the cross Sometimes we say, oh, you need to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Oh, my cross to bear. Oh, and then we can, we label with our cross anything from, uh, you know, a cranky boss. Oh, that's just my cross to bear. With in-laws and outlaws and all sorts of things. But that's not the cross. Look at the cross. Here he is. There he is in a, in a bloodied, swollen, weakened flesh completely in excruciating pain. What's next for Jesus? It wasn't enough. Hey, look at him. Is this good enough? No, no, crucify him, crucify him. And they're going to make him carry his cross, the instrument of death, to the place where he would die. And that's where we pick up the journey this morning, church. His journey to the cross in John chapter 19. Picking it up in verse 14, it says, Now, It was the preparation day of the Passover, about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold, your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And the chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Two things are going on here, guys, that you've got to get. Two things you've got to really understand. Number one, why were the Jews wanting to crucify our Savior? Why? Because he claimed to be God, right? He claimed to be the Son of God. They were, you're not the Son, that's blasphemy! And I'm thinking about this, okay? I'm thinking about this. I want you to think, mom's in the house. Moms, you know what it's like. You love your kids. You would give your life for your kids, right? Here Mary is seeing her boy. Just get beat to inches within his life. You know she can stop it, right? How can she stop it? She can go and go, okay, okay, listen, listen. I know he's claiming to be the son of God. I'll tell you who his daddy is. I'll tell you. I'll tell you who I was with. Just stop it. Mamas can't, she she can't do that, can she? Because it's true. She was a virgin. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. She, she, all she can do is watch her, her son. And there's nothing she can do. The chief priests, they come to say, hey, Romans, what are you going to do? Well, it's treason. You need to crucify him. We can't crucify him, but you can because he's treason. He's calling himself a king. And you know what the chief, you know what the religious dudes of the day say? We have no king but Caesar. Well, that's blasphemy themselves. Wow. And so what does he say? Shall I crucify your king? We don't have any kings but Caesar. 
So Pilate delivered him to be what? Crucified. Look at that last line. Then they took Jesus and led him away. So they take Jesus from the Antonio Fortress, okay? And they're going to lead him away. But the question we've got to ask, we've got to ask this question because it, it, it bears asking. You go, what's that? Why did they beat my Savior? If it was 39 lashes, why? Why did they make my Savior, my Lord, my God, Jesus, why would they rip his flesh from side to side? What was the purpose? Isaiah gives us the answer. Isaiah gives us the answer. Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5. I want you to look at this. Isaiah is prophetically prophesying about this day, and he says this, Surely Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Okay, if you're ever looking to pray for healing for somebody, somebody's physically sick, somebody's physically, you know that here in the word of God, Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4 deals with healing, physical healing. I don't have for the sake of time, but if you look up the Hebrew words, born our griefs and carried our sorrows has everything to do with physical healing. Church, Whenever I go to the hospital and I have to pray for somebody, I always pray Isaiah 53, 4. God, you said that we can pray for healing. You took a beating so that you can, so that this person can be healed. God, we pray for healing. Pastor, guess what? They ended up dying. But that's the ultimate healing, is it not? It really is. And we don't like to say that because we love our loved ones and we want them here. I get that. But... He's, but Isaiah says, listen, we can pray for healing. He's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace were, were upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. If the first verse 4 is talking about healing, verse 5 is talking about salvation. You know, those, you know those wounds that came across him? It's all about salvation. Ben, I thought Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection was salvation. It is, but this is the process. This is the, you know why you are saved today? Because Jesus sat there with his arms tied and he took a beating. And every time he took a beating, every time the pain came across, every time his flesh was ripped, he was thinking about me. I need to save Ben Martinez. He's going to need me. I'm going to take his sins. And then he was thinking about you. It's all about salvation. So Jesus is beaten and he's getting ready to continue the journey. So as the journey continues, Jesus is beat, scourged, bloodied, swollen, no doubt from the lacerations. The crowd, what are they doing? They're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. His very own people turn on him. Verse 16, 16 says they took him and led him away. Now verse 17a, notice with me, not, John 9, 19, 17a says, and, bear, and he, Jesus, bearing his cross, Jesus on his journey would now have to bear the weight of the cross on the way, the way of sorrows to Calvary. Guys, you've heard it, and it's traditionally known as the Via Della Rosa. You've heard the song before, but in Latin, what it means is the way of grief. It means the way of sorrows, the way of sufferings, or simply the painful way. That's what it is. And you go, well, really, what is it? Well, it's this, it's this street in old city Jerusalem to be the path, literally, where Jesus walked from being scourged and beaten down by the Antonio Fortress down what they call the Via Della Rosa on the way to be crucified. That's what they call it. But you've got to keep this in mind, church. Traditionally, we've always thought that Jesus would carry the cross, all of it. Well, after being beaten and scourged and bloodied and swollen and excruciating pain, there's no way our Lord could probably carry a 300-pound cross. More than likely, guys, under the condition of the beating, 
Jesus couldn't carry a 300-pound T-shaped Roman cross, so it seems reasonable that Jesus only carried the crossbeam. And then he would have to have help. Why? That crossbeam weighed about 110 pounds. 300 pounds, guys, to a normal, strong, vibrant man is might be doable. That's still a lot. If I were to ask Santos, Santos, I want you to carry this 300-pound piece of wood, he would struggle with it. He might be able to do it, but think about Jesus in his bloody, beaten, I mean, just weakened state. The Romans say, listen, you're still going to carry your cross. This is what we do, and it's the cross beam of 100, about 100 pounds. You see, the victims at this time, guys, crucified on a traditionally shaped cross were forced to carry the cross beam from the place of judgment to the place of execution. Executions, guys, were usually performed every year about the same time in the same location. They were very, very accessible to the public. So whenever they crucified somebody, they made sure everybody knew about it. You guys know what I'm talking about? It was in the very public place. They wouldn't take, the, they wouldn't take Jesus and go, let's crucify him public quietly over here. Shh. No, whenever they crucified somebody, they made it very public, and everybody could walk by, and you could probably see very close. Why? Because the offense that you committed was often written on the top of the cross. And you could walk by and go, oh, that dude's a murderer. Oh, he's, he's wow, look at that. He's a thief. Huh. I wonder what he did to, oh, well, look at this, right? I mean, think about it. I mean, you could see what they were for, and you could actually mock them, couldn't you? If you're walking by and you see is a murderer, you go, you deserve that. You murdered people, you get, and you could mock them. They were that close, and they could hear you, and you could hear them, and they were very, 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 very close. This is very, why? Well, here's what Rome wanted to do. Rome wanted to go, listen, this is what you do if you mess with Rome. So it's very public. They wanted to make sure you were not going to cause trouble. That's how they ruled with an iron fist. That's how they ruled the world. They didn't play. You did something, you were, boom. Specifically treason? Oh, you want to you go against Caesar? Here's what happens. Oh, I don't want to go against Caesar. I don't want to go against Caesar. Another reason, guys, that the crosses were upright is so everybody could see them. Very, very public. The entire Roman Jewish nation could see basically what happens in this ex- the execution by crucifixion. So Jesus, well, he would have started out down the Via Della Rosa, and he would have probably fallen several times. He would have went through the Damascus Gate en route to Calvary. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you some pictures. Let me show you the map, and I want to show you where he would go down. Look at this map here, okay? And I'm going to show you. This here is the Temple Mount, okay, right in here. Okay, this would be the original temple here, okay? This is where Jesus would have come in. The Mount of Olives and all of that would right here. Here's the Kidron Valley. He would have come across. This is the Eastern Gate right here. Okay, here's what he, this is Gethsemane, right? He would have come over here into Caiaphas' house and Anna's house. He would have been scourged here. You see the Via Della Rosa right here? He would have walked down carrying his crossbeam right here. Okay, he would have stopped right in this area. Then he would have come out here. This is known as the Damascus Gate. Why is it the Damascus Gate? This was known as the Damascus Road back in the day, okay? And that road followed north to south all the way up to Damascus. And so when people came in, this was like, this was like the main road of, of the whole, this was it. This is where people traveled. If you were coming in for Passover, you would have just come all the way, all of these roads right here. You would have walked right in and then come in into the old city. Now, why did Jesus come down the Via Della Rosa? out the Damascus gate and over to the garden tomb, you could not crucify somebody within the city walls. You had to be 
you had to be outside the city. And so he would definitely come here. He would have been fallen several times. He would have just put, they would have pushed him out the Damascus gate, right in here, the Damascus road. There'd be people like crazy back and forth, walking back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he would have went over to the garden tomb. Let me show you a picture of what the Damascus gate would look like. This is what the Damascus gate would look like back in about 1865. And so he would have come out just right out this gate as the city walls are there, and he would have just walked on his way to something called Golgotha in Hebrew, or Calvary, known as the place of the skull, right? Why would Jesus be crucified at the place of the skull? I don't understand that. The skull, well, because the place that he would be crucified on that is going to look exactly like a skull. You see the two eyes right there and the nose? This is, a, this is about 1865. Now, You've heard that song, right? Jesus was crucified on a hill. There wasn't a hill. A lot of people think he was crucified up here. You couldn't read what it was up there. He was actually crucified right in front, probably of this picture with an eerie looking skull behind him. And people would walk by and they would see the skull and then they would look up and go, oh. We know that day there were three people being crucified. We're going to look at that in just a minute. So this is exactly, he would come down the via, the way of sorrows, he would be falling, blood would be splattering all over the place as he made his way out the, what, Damascus Gate into the place called the skull, Calvary. Calvary. The Bible tells us, guys, in John chapter nineteen seventeen, it says, "And he, speaking of Jesus, bearing his cross, went to the place, went to the place called the place of the skull, which is in Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him, two others with him, one on either side, and Jesus in the center." But I want you to look at something real quick. Okay, hold your place here and jump over to Luke chapter twenty three. Luke twenty three, picking it up in verse twenty six. Uh, Luke is giving us a different account. But I want you to see this, okay? Luke twenty three twenty six says this. Now, as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrene, who was coming from the country. And on him, they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. So they, so they employed this dude named Simon. Simon, come here. Oh, oh, I don't want nothing to do with this. Simon, come here. What do you want me to do? You're going to help Jesus. You're going to help this man, Jesus, carry the cross. As Jesus would fall and lay there, trying to get as much, just get up, Simon would be going, okay, let me carry that for you. The Bible says in verse 27, guys, a great multitude of people followed him. And women also mourned and lamented. And Jesus turning to them and said, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are the barren wombs that never bore, breasts which never nursed. And then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and the hills cover us. For if they do not do these things in the greenwood, what will they be done in the dry? Verse 32 says, And there were two others. Criminals led him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place of Calvary, they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and one on the left. Then Jesus said, notice what Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Guys, at this point, Jesus is on the cross. Jesus is nailed on the cross, and we'll go into that. The Bible says that there was a guy on the right and a guy on the left. And you know what Jesus says? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ, the chosen of God. Remember when Jesus said that he would be mocked? The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. In the inscription written over his head in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. Why those three? 
Because that would have been all those kind of people. There would have been Hebrew, there would have been Greek, there would have been Latin coming in. They would see, what was, what was this charge? You ready? This is the king of the Jews. Verse 39 says this, listen church. Then one of the criminals who was hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. Can you imagine? There you are. You're about, you're, you're literally hours away from death. You're literally hours away from eternity. And you begin to blaspheme the only person that can probably save you. And what is his mocking words? Hey, if you say who you say you are, why don't you get us down from here? What's the deal? The other person the other answering said, don't you even fear God? What is wrong with you? Seeing that you're under the same condemnation and we indeedly, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. He says, but this man has done nothing wrong. He's saying, what are you, why are you even saying that? He says, listen, what we, we deserve, we deserve what we're going to get. He said, but this man, Jesus, He did nothing wrong. Then Jesus said, then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Church, may I submit to you, I think there's two types of people are the same people that were on the the side of Jesus. You You have some people that are out there today that are just simply blaspheming God. If Jesus was good, why didn't he do this? If Jesus was that, why, didn't, why doesn't he save me? Why doesn't he say, if Jesus was really God, why didn't he come down from the cross? And that's the mindset of the people who don't know him. And if I may employ to you, there's the other group of people who say, Lord, I deserve eternal punishment. I deserve to be away from you. He says, but remember me when you come into your kingdom and the Lord looks at you and he looks at I and he says, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. You see, guys, that's all about salvation. It's when you put your faith and trust, knowing that you're going to be with Jesus in paradise, knowing that you're going to be with him. Let's take a moment, guys, and uh, let's just talk real brief about the final moments of the cross. You see, if you go to Israel today and you go to the olive press, we know that the first group is around the, uh, around the circular basin and you crush, the, you crush it, but then you take the rest of the olives, guys, and you put it inside this mat and then you have three stages of a, of a final crushing. And then when you put all the weight there is, all the weight on that beam, it just crushes and that's where you get the pure olive oil. It just crushes it. Guys, this was the final crushing of the olive press. Where did it start? It started in Gethsemane. The second part was the beating. This is the third. You go, well, how did it happen? Well, think about this, guys. There's Jesus on the cross, the crowd in front of him, lots of people walking back and forth. There were people who were were with looking at him, lamenting. The crowd's wondering, why is he being crucified? There were other people who didn't care. They were busy getting ready for the Passover. There's our Passover lamb on the cross, and they were getting ready to go, oh, okay, look at that. I wonder what they did. Don't mess with Rome, honey. Come stay with, stay with Daddy. Don't mess with Rome. Daddy, what did he do? Oh, he says he's the king of the Jews. I don't know. We don't really believe that. That's not what we believe in our house. The backdrop would be this ugly-looking skull hill. Back in John chapter 19, verse 25, guys, it says, now, there's a few people at the cross. They're stood by the cross. Jesus, his mother. Okay, so Mary's there. Mary's there. Mary's watching her little boy. And again, guys, I want you to think in your mind. I want you to think. She remembers Jesus running as a little boy. She remembers Jesus playing as a little boy. She remembers Jesus trying to carry the olives. I got it, Mom! Into the olive press. And there she is, and Mary's there. She can't do anything about it. She can't do anything about it. Who else is there? 
It says his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing there, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. And now a vessel of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled the sponge with sour wine and put on hyssop and put it to his mouth. And when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he died. Guys, this is, the, this is truly the day that God died. Wait, I thought Jesus died. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And right here, he died in our place. Have you ever wondered how Jesus died? Like, like what, what, what he really died from? Have you ever wondered? Well, I thought he, would, he died on the cross. Well, did, he, did he die of lack of blood or what was it? Did you know literally that Jesus died of a broken heart? You go, what do you mean? No, no, no. His heart literally burst. You see, crucifixion was a very, very wicked and evil thing. You see, here's what they would do, guys. They would stretch out the person's arm from side to side, and they would pull it as far as they could. And then they would stick a nail, and they'd put it right through the wrist. Well, Pastor, I've always heard that it was on the hand. If you were to put it in the hand, sometimes there's not a lot of cartilage right here, and it might come straight on out, especially when you're trying to pull yourself up with all your weight. And so the nails would go in right in the wrist, right between the bone and the wrist, and that's what it would hold them up. The problem was, is now, now Rome is, wasn't that cruel in a sense, but they would take a little, um, just this little piece of, of wood, if you will, and, and um, they'd get this little platform, and they'd put it just enough to where he could push up on the platform on the cross, and then they would nail his feet, his feet like this to the platform. That was the purpose. The purpose was is that with all the strength he had left, he could, he could put his, and he would catch an air, he would just get some breath and then fall back down. You see, literally like this, guys, he would be suffocating. And then he'd lift, and then he'd fall back down. And that's what they would do, and they would watch him. And the purpose wasn't so that they would die quickly. The purpose was that they, could, they would take a long time to die. So from 9 a.m., Jesus is on the cross. 3 p.m., he would hang. This is the final crushing. Every sin ever committed was being put on the Lord at that time. And around 3 p.m., guys, the world became dark. There was a giant earthquake. Well, think about this in your mind, okay? It's the Sabbath day, right? It's a Friday, and so 6 o'clock starts the Sabbath. It's now 3 o'clock. We can't leave somebody hanging on a tree in the Sabbath, so what do we got to do? We got to get them down. This is why. This is why they would go out, and they would then break the legs of people who were being crucified. Why would you break their leg? Because if they, didn't, if they couldn't push up anymore, they would quickly suffocate and die. The problem is, is that when they came out to Jesus, he was already dead. He had already given up his ghost. And so they said, well, we're not going to break his legs because the scripture said that no bone will be broken. So what did they do? They took the spear. Do you remember that? And they stabbed him on the side. What came out? Blood and water. Why did blood and water come out? If you stab me here, mostly blood. Here's why. Because in the midst of Jesus dying for our sin, his heart exploded with blood and water and it just filled the cavity. So that when they stabbed him, that's what came out. Blood and water flowed. I find it very interesting that in the temple at this point, every morning they would be killing the sacrificial lambs. And blood would be filling the Kidron Valley. Well, you can't just have blood, can you? In order to wash, you need to have water. So not only was the Kidron Valley filled with blood, but it was also filled with water. 
and our and our Savior at that point. Well, his heart had exploded. He died of a broken heart for our sins. Now let me close with this. Jesus had died. He was crucified for us. He was crucified, guys, so that it paved the way for all humanity to have a relationship with him. Of course, you know the story. Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple, he secretly, you know, because he feared the Jews, he asked Pilate, can I take his body down? He had a tomb. If you were to think, now listen, if this was the cross, if this was Calvary right here, about where the corner of the building is outside is about where the garden tomb was. Not very far. It's just, you can just walk. It's not even that far. And it's a garden. And there was an empty tomb there. Hey, listen, if you go to Jerusalem today, you can go inside that tomb because there's nobody in there. It's empty. Because Jesus told his disciples, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm only going to be gone for a little while. I'm going to be back. Three days and I'm going to resurrect. And then we're going to celebrate. That's what he said. We're going to celebrate. You see, but right now our hearts are heavy, church. Why? Because we realize that it was my sin and your sin that put him on that cross. It was my sin and your sin that he got beaten for. It was my sin. Everything that I think, my attitude, the way I conduct my behavior, my life. Oh, Lord, it was me. I put you on that cross. No, it wasn't the Romans. No, it wasn't the Jews. It was the sins of the world. And Lord, right now my heart is heavy. But I'll say this to you, listen, there's not a one of us in this room that isn't praying for somebody to get saved. There isn't a one of us in this room that's praying for somebody to walk with Jesus and be healed. And can I tell you, Jesus took a massive crushing so that people can still be healed and be saved. Never give up. Never give up. Yeah, I think that person's too. Never, never. You don't know what my Savior went to. I'm so glad. Aren't you glad that nobody gave up on you? And one day, one day, the scales fell and you said, the eyes of your heart were opened and you saw the Lord. He died for me. And what was your first thought, church? Be honest. I'm so unworthy. Why would he die for me? Nobody knows the the dark and depths of my heart. Why would he die for me? And that's the whole point. He's sitting on the cross right now and he's looking forward and he said, you know what? I, I died for you because I want you with me. You see, guys, we can't make this stuff up. This is God breathed because he does have a plan and he does have a purpose. And although we don't physically see Jesus right here and we could go, okay, I get it, I get it. We have to walk by faith and trust. And some of us in this room go, Lord, we just, if I could just see you, if I could just see, if I could just talk to you. And the Lord gently knocks on your heart and he says, you see me in the, in the beauty of what? In the beauty of a sunrise. You see me in the beauty of a sunset. You see me in the laughter of a child. You see me in all of that. You see me in the heart of people who love me. We see him every day, guys. We see him every day. So here's my thought. If you're here today, if you're here today and you've never surrendered to this Jesus, you see, because it's far, what I've painted for you is far It's far more dramatic than just a t-shirt. I heart Jesus. Amen. This is, oh my goodness. I need to surrender my life to him once and for all. I need to follow God. You see, this same Jesus wants to come and live in your heart. And some of us feel like we're miles and miles away from him. And he's saying, no, 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 you're one decision away. Listen, I haven't followed you to church, man. I'm right here. And all you have to do is open up your heart and invite me inside. 
And so here's the question he's asking, honestly. Listen, are you really saved? Are you really saved? Do you have a relationship with me? That's all he wants to know. Do you have a relationship? And you go, Pastor, I don't know. I, I hope so. And, and here's, my, here's me, okay? Here's me. I used to think, I hope I get to go to heaven. I hope. And the Lord says, no, you don't have to hope. Listen, you can know. How, Lord, by putting your faith and trust once and for all. And so listen, I'm going to ask you. Next week, we're going to celebrate his resurrection. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be a blast. But here's my thought to you. Are you saved? Do you have a walk with God? Do you know him personally? Your pastor, I'm not sure. If you're not sure, I want to lead you in a prayer. I just want to lead you in a prayer that says yes today. You see, the commitment and the decision is yours. It's not mine. But I want to help you. So we're going to pray in just a moment. I'm just going to give you an opportunity real quick. What do I have to do, Pastor? I have to do is lift up your hand. Nobody's going to see you. Well, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. Well, what happens then? I'm just going to pray for you. I'm just going to pray that God would come into your heart, save you, and you'd have a real relationship with him. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, that right now you're in a grave, but we know that you're going you're gonna to come back to life. Father, with every eye closed and every, every head bowed, maybe you're doing a work here, God, that I don't know, and I'm trusting you. Listen, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus or you, you've walked away from him or you're not as close as you'd like to be, but through the teaching of the word, you're here this morning and you're saying, yep, pastor, pray for me. I, I need to walk closer to Jesus. I need, to, I need to give him all of my life. Can I pray for you? See, every, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. All you have to do is simply lift up your hand and say, pastor, pray for me. Will you do that right now? If you, if you want to do that, all you have to do is lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. Just lift up your hand right now and say, that's me. I want, I want more of Jesus. Is there anyone that wants to do that right now before we dismiss? Make sure you're in a right walk with God, that you know that if tonight, today, you passed away, that you'd be in heaven with him. All you have to do is lift up your hand. Father, I thank you. You're amazing and wonderful, and we love you, Jesus. We worship you now. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806-799-2227 or send an email to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.